0: The Aside podcast is a free resource, thanks to Drama Victoria. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we will be speaking with Prue Clark, the director of The Violent Outburst That Drew Me To You an MTC production which is on regional tour until June 7th. It is on the VCE Theatre Studies Unit 3 playlist, so the questions are you to help those Victorian drama students and teachers working with the new study design. For more information about the MTC season and their regional tour, go to mtc.com.au. Prue Clark is a Melbourne-based theatre director with a focus on new writing. In 2012, she completed a postgraduate diploma at the Victorian College of the Arts, BCA, where she was the recipient of the Orloff Family Charitable Scholarship. She received a Green Room nomination for both Dropped in 2013 and Reasons to Stay Inside in 2015. In 2016, Prue was fortunate enough to be a participant in Melbourne Theatre Company's Women in Theatre program, and in 2017, she assistant-directed MTC's main stage season of Noel Coward's Hay Fever. In the same year, Prue participated in Melbourne's Director's Lab, presented by Melbourne Festival and Theatre Works. Before moving to Melbourne, Prue worked at the New Zealand Film Commission and was the personal assistant to acclaimed New Zealand film director... Taika Watiti. Please welcome to the podcast, Prue Clark. Hello, Prue. Welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: How will the context of the original script be interpreted in this production?
1: I mean, I'd like to think that we we stayed pretty true to the text. I'm a big fan of Finnegan's writing and I really loved the play. Um, so I haven't done any you know, huge sort of flips um, on the script in terms of an, our interpretation. I would say, though, the, probably the biggest thing that we um, shifted or, or made a bit of a choice on that perhaps isn't um, in the script and certainly wasn't the choice of the original production was our decision to make um, part two um, more real in a way than part one and when I say more real it wasn't more real in terms of the design but it was certainly more real in terms of the performance um, and yeah I think as well the, the other thing that um, we were conscious of because I think the script was actually written nine years ago and I feel like Discussion since then has been, you know, people are much, much more aware of female characters and, you know, female characters being often peripheral to male characters or purely functional. And I think Lottie had, um, you know, could potentially fall into that category. So we we worked really hard to make sure that she didn't. <laughs> um, again, because Finnegan gave this beautiful provocation that the forest might be Imagined, of course, um, that also meant that Lottie could have been a figment of his imagination. Very happy for people to make that interpretation themselves, but um, we decided that Lottie is very real. Um, and, you know, we worked, I mean, Isabella did all of this for us, really. Oh, sorry, Isabella. Um, but, you know, she was fit, fit hopefully very three dimensional um, and fle- a proper fleshed out character.
0: You chose not to include mobile phones or references to social media. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, look, we did talk a a little bit about, you know, maybe do we bring in mobile phones? Um, But it's sort of... You know what, we didn't even, we, we talked about it as a possibility, and then it just never really happened in the room. And I think that was a sign that there wasn't really room for it. <laughs> there was sort of so much going on that I think it would have just been an an additional excessive layer to try and kind of modernise it and bring a mobile phones. Um, obviously, none of the text re- sort of responded to social media, so we couldn't have really Um, brought that in without liaising with Finnegan and asking him to rewrite things which um, I was kind of reluctant to do. Um, Yeah so we we did again I don't know how conscious the decision was to actually decide not to do it we sort of put it on the table and then just through the process of of performing it it just slowly sort of left the table (laughs) as things sort of happened to do, and I, I really just take that as a sign that it wasn't necessary.
0: In your opinion, what is or are the most distinct theatrical elements of this interpretation?
1: I would have to say the design elements, probably particularly the set. Um, and I say that because I feel like sort of work for young audiences is, often has similar challenges to violent outburst and that there's multiple characters and there's often multiple settings. And my feeling is that um, the most common solution is a kind of um, poor theatre approach, um, which I have absolutely nothing against. I think it's um, fabulous and often is sort of the only option <laughs> for under-resourced you know, schools and, and um, small groups and things. Um, but I guess we were really interested in this as a, as a team to push against that. Um, Especially because we we did have the resources at MTC, even though it's a much smaller production budget than their main stage shows. We did we did have the sort of money and resources to do something um, a bit more, a bit bigger and a bit more spectacular, I guess, with it. So we were we were actually pretty determined to build something significant in the space um, and find a way um, that it served that first part in terms of multiple characters and multiple settings um, that wasn't simply. Um, you know a character being seen on stage put on a hat and then take off a hat and grab a walking stick and then they're they're another character. So I think for me yeah that um, definitely I was working with such strong designers as well so um, I didn't you know I wanted to to use them (laughs) Um, and uh, yeah I hope that we did that successfully.
0: What do you consider to be the major themes of the production?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's a, um, it's Connor's struggle for identity and for him trying to really find his place in the world. Um, We sort of talked about it in the rehearsal room is at the beginning, beginning Connor is very much pitching himself against the world. Um, And then towards the end, he is, he sort of has a vision of the world where he is more integrated into it, that he belongs. and I also feel like a, you know, a theme really is that things change and that there is hope um, and I think that can be a pretty important message for a teenage audience you know who are often in the midst of sort of turbulence and are coming up against the you know the incongruities of the world really for the first time and trying to make sense of it all.
0: How will the production or design choices or direction enhance the audience's understanding of these themes?
1: Well, in part one, we were very um, interested in Connor being in control of many of the theatrical elements, Um, and in a way, he was. We kind of thought of him as also in control of the characterisation of the other characters. Um, So we we thought about those characters as if we were seeing them through Connor's eyes. So they were quite cartoony sometimes. They were quite archetypal. and that's because we kind of felt like Connor Connor wasn't really seeing anyone else around him as, a, as another real authentic person with, you know, problems of their own. He sort of just saw them as almost paper cutouts that was getting in his way. <laughs> um, so I guess we were interested in him, yeah, sort of setting him up putting all of the people around him sort of stuck in this set really so they were stuck in this theatrical convention whereas Connor could move in and out of it um seamlessly so we felt like um yeah it was interesting that in, in part one he is very much in control and it feels like he is quite separate to the world he has control of it and then in part two, when that wall does come down, we feel like, um, you know, everything is paired back. Um, Lottie enters. She is in as much control as him in terms of the story. Um, we gave her permission to speak to the audience when previously he was the only one who, had to, who was able to break that fourth wall. Um, and, you know, hopefully it sort of felt like Connor then was one of you know, three important characters at that point, Lottie being one of them, and and actually the forest being the other. So we kind of, I like to think, hopefully, (laughs) that he was more integrated in that part two than he was in in part one. And I guess in terms of hope, um, I think that that, I don't know if there was anything specifically we did in our interpretation, I think, hopefully, that was in the text itself. But but definitely we came to the text with a lot of warmth towards um, our teenage characters and a lot of warmth towards um, the teenage experience. So hopefully we supported um, this sort of sense that things change, but not, um, not supported the idea that it's just a phase, so shut up and get over it.
0: <laughs> Why does the wall fall so dramatically how should the audience feel about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I think shock, definitely, and I, I think surprise. Um, you know, sort of in a way, ideally the audience would feel what Connor felt at that moment, which is that, you know, he's his, a, a kind of a disruption, I guess, to his narrative. So his narrative in, until that point has been, he is at the center of it all, and the world is getting in his way. That's his narrative. Um, and then suddenly, this sort of girl comes, in very unexpectedly, and as we soon find out, is just as angry, if not much more angry, than him, um, and actually sort of offers, you know, helps him, I guess, find another narrative. So we were interested in that, you know, being, um, I guess, mirroring, yeah, what Connor was feeling, but also mirroring, um, actually, the fact, the, the point in that story, and how things shift. And and also stylistically up until that point it had been quite gimmicky and fast and would use theatrical elements um, in this kind of cartoony farcical way. Um, and then we were really interested in in things just coming down, falling away, peering back, and it just being Connor and Lottie left in the forest.
0: How have the actors contributed to the interpretation of the text?
1: Ah, uh, lot. I mean Josh and Isabella were fantastic because they think Early on, you know, we talked about one of our our main questions for that part was actually how cartoony are they? And I think, um, I mean, some directors might be able to go in and say it's exactly this. Here is your reference for this character. Here is your reference for this other character. This is kind of where we're pitching it. Um, I tend to not really work like that. I'm quite happy to be in that sort of I don't know space for a while um and so we really just were very open about that question of like we are not sure at this point how these characters could be and Isabella and Josh were amazing at really just making offers and then all of all three of us would really um then feed back to each other about whether it felt too much or too little <laughs> um and you know we we built some conventions around that ourselves so we made a decision that the um the characters um, that were older than Connor, so not his peers, um, were more cartoony than the characters that were his peers. And that definitely came out of the rehearsal process and came out of, um,
0: from, from the actors. What is the theatrical style of this production and how will it be demonstrated?
1: I'd say that part two was pretty naturalistic in terms of its performance style. Um, again, not in, in terms of design, but certainly in terms of performance um part one i guess we we borrowed from a whole lot of styles it's pretty slapsticky at times <laughs> um you know the fight scene is particularly slapsticky. i guess we borrowed from fast we kind of couldn't help it because you know our, our set was three doors <laughs> and it was just so much fun to use those doors in different ways and and to find new and surprising ways to open them and enter the space um, I know that you know in in terms of Commedia dell'arte I guess the instantly recognizable kind of stock characters were important for us That we weren't you know we weren't going for three-dimensional nuanced um, naturalistic characterization in that first part we were going for you know archetypes stock um bit 2d pop-up type um, characters Yeah, and I guess we talked about it as being cartoony, and it's kind of funny when you actually uh, ask yourself, what does that mean? (laughs) And does that mean the same thing for everybody? Um, But I guess for me, it was in the pace of it, and um, in the silliness of it, and in the quick sort of, you know, I almost saw those scenes as frames, or those doorways as frames, so how we shifted from frame to frame to frame was important in how we told the
0: story. How was the actor audience relationship manipulated in this production?
1: I mean, I think a choice we made, which I mentioned before, is that we we decided that Lottie could break the fourth wall in the second part, um, and so that and that was part, partly to give her more agency, um, and partly to disrupt this idea that. You know, it was only Connor's story that actually hang on now. We've got someone who's just as interesting, if not more interesting, <laughs> that we might want to follow. Um, we, I guess, we endowed the audience. This is something that came from working with uh, Harry, who played Connor. Um, you know, we were interested in who that audience is to Connor, and we made the decision to endow the audience as um, a group of his peers that he was showing off to um but we also made the decision that he wasn't they they liked him so he wasn't he was showing off to them but he wasn't needing to sort of um work hard to get their um their a your interest um I think as well maybe something else I was just conscious of in terms of Connor the character of Connor and his relationship to the audience is that he's not but he's not Necessarily that likable in terms of his actions. I think Harry's very likable, and he did a very likable version of Connor. But um, we were we did sort of talk about that prologue really being a moment to give Connor space to connect with the audience. Um, to sort of, you know, we talked about him sort of playing playing up this this game of of demonstrating the door. Knowing what's knowing the payoff is to come, and that was kind of an important. I guess that's mirrored in the in the entire production, and that um, he Connor potentially comes to this whole story um, from a place of knowing. And so, yes, he's performing performing himself being a bit of a a dick with all these people, but there's also this other side of him that's like, just bear with me, audience, because we get to somewhere different. <laughs> I get through this, hold on, you know, hold on there. Um, So that's kind of the the language that we used around um, the audience and and Connor's relationship to the audience.
0: Is there anything else you would like to mention about the show? Um,
1: Something I didn't mention before in terms of how we um, used design, or, you know, how we used theatrical elements to um, support the themes. Um, In terms of sound, we actually used the um, song Bonnie and Clyde, which is a Serge Gainsborough and Bridget Bardot or that version of a, a duo, um, as sort of a recurring um, sound theme throughout the piece. And that was again supporting that idea that, you know, in the beginning, that Connor really feels like he pits himself against Against the world so he talks and he talks about being an outlaw his favorite movie is a is into the wild So it's about kind of getting away from society going into the bush I think when he and Lottie first meet each other it feels very Bonnie and Clyde-ish You know and that they both want to run away from the world stay away from the world stay hidden mess stuff up Um, And so we really loved that song as kind of supporting that energy um, and and then that actually that song uh, fades away as as Connor kind of finds a way to belong in the world.
0: Thank you for your time, Prue Clark.
1: Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Nick.
0: To find out more about MTC's production of The Violent Outburst that drew me to you, go to mtc.com.au. That is all from us at The Aside. We have a number of episodes in the bank. Over 150 now. We've recently hit over 18,000 listens. And if the emails we're getting tell us anything, it's that this podcast is helping students and teachers around Victoria. If you would like to contact us about a topic for a future episode, do not hesitate to email us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Drama Victoria for your ongoing support. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. And of course...